Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 1119. Call now. This is KCAA. It's time for NBC Radio News on KCAA Loma Linda. Brought to you by Green Kong Dispensary, the Inland Empire's finest curated medical and recreational dispensary. Google GreenKong.com. The symbol of power and majesty, the gorilla, feared and respected. Our closest animal cousin believed to possess human-like depth and understanding. Green Kong Cannabis Dispensary of Paris aspires to develop the same understanding. Green Kong is a destination, a personal experience with great service for everyone. Located right off the 215 freeway and Hurley Knox Road in Paris, Green Kong is safe, legal, and easy. Visit GreenKong.com for orders. You must be 21. Green Kong is the place for you. Experience Green Kong's exotic surroundings in their jungle-like setting. Bathed in soothing light, Green Kong is a go-to destination for the CBD or cannabis curious or the connoisseur. Google GreenKong.com or visit Green Kong's brand new exciting new location in Paris, California. NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. The White House is brushing off a House resolution to limit President Trump's ability to launch military action against Iran. In a statement, Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley said the president has the right and duty to keep the country safe from terrorism. The resolution was brought to the table because of Trump's airstrike in Iraq last week that killed a top Iranian general at a rally in Ohio. Trump defended the move. So at my direction, the United States military eliminated... Qasem Soleimani and ended his rampage through not only that part of the world, but much bigger parts of the world. Trump noted that Soleimani was actively planning to target American embassies. Iran is denying it shot down a packed plane headed to Ukraine. Iranian officials call the allegations ridiculous and say it's impossible one of their missiles is to blame for 176 deaths. The man accused of stabbing five people during a Hanukkah party is now charged with 10 federal hate crimes. Grafton Thomas was indicted on five new charges today for targeting victims because of their religion. The attack happened last month at a rabbi's home 
home in New York. Brexit is close to being a done deal. On Thursday, the House of Commons overwhelmingly voted in favor of Prime Minister Boris Johnson's plan for the UK to leave the European Union. The vote was 330 in favor and 231 opposed. The deal now moves on to the House of Lords. Previous versions of the deal have been rejected several times over the past year, but its prospects improved considerably after a new parliament was elected last month. Johnson says the United Kingdom will leave the EU on January 31st, not quite a year after it was originally scheduled to go. Tom Roberts, NBC News Radio. Selena Gomez is sharing details about the kidney transplant that she says could have killed her. The singer told the Wall Street Journal magazine an artery broke. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. The Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands is home to some of the best bargain shopping in the region. Cityware, style for less, and Dollar Tree to name just a few. Friendly shop owners and staff are waiting for you to stop in for the many specials and bargains they're excited to share. The Tri-City Shopping Center is located just off I-10 between Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Make it your home for all your shopping needs and you'll know why the Tri-City Center is called the Mall with a Heart. Ladies and guys too, you work hard and once in a while you have to take care of yourself. When it's time to pamper yourself, to take care of yourself, your next stop should be Next Gen Nails and Spa in Redlands in the Tri-City Center. It's very special. Relax. Enjoy this special luxurious treatment that you deserve and leave your stress behind with the best beauty care and a royal spa pedicure that includes a warm water soak, trim, sea salt scrub, paraffin therapy, and a luxurious hot lotion massage. You deserve it and you deserve it today look good feel good at next gen nail and spa in redlands because you're worth it and for a quick session join next gen on wednesdays for their ten dollars off spa treatments happy hour from 4 p.m to 7 p.m the salon is always squeaky clean and waiting so for the best beauty care and to treat yourself it's next gen nails and spa at 1470 industrial park avenue in redlands or google next gen nails and spa in redlands KCAA. FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel to Turf's Upper Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome to this issue and this edition of The The Water Water Zone. Zone. Good evening. I'm Rob Starr along with my friend and professional man over here, Mr. Chris Stavey. Thank you, Rob. How are you tonight? I am great. I'm doing awesome, buddy. I've had a little cold the last couple of days, so if I have a little coarse voice, you'll have to forgive me, bud. Makes you sound more manly. It does. That's my radio voice. I like your radio voice. <laughs> you you sound like you're feeling well, though, right? I hear, I hear, that, yeah, I hear that scratchy in that pot. Oh, that pot, yeah. yeah. They got to fix that. Whoa, <laughs> I can hear me now. <laughs> anyway, what's new? I got back from Vegas, but I can't tell you what happened because what happens is Vegas right. stays, stays in Vegas. Stays in Vegas. Absolutely true. The, the right. Consumer Electronics Show. 
Yes, you were. So how was it? Give us a give us a little uh, rundown of God, what you t- saw. Tons of people, tons and tons of people. Computers, LED TVs. I was there for the audio stuff uh, and talked to some other engineering companies that I had meetings with. But uh, awesome. I mean, you couldn't even walk. It took me 35 minutes from the Mirage Hotel to drive one block. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. Well, the main question I have is: Did you get a sample of that uh, suitcase that uh, that you can get on at the airport and it drives you around the airport? No. Oh yeah, it's pretty neat. It's a new technology right there. Wow. These ha- guys know about it. See, the engineers are doing thumbs up. Oh, I saw that. I didn't see that. That's right. Uh, I drove. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fly. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think get sixty five on the freeway, but you know, yeah, yeah. and carry your luggage. <laughs> it's fine, but no, it was it was a, it was a great show. A lot of really interesting products. A lot of a lot of PC companies uh, with new new uh, new uh, technologies that they're putting out. Um, a lot of Asian companies right. that were there. Uh, I think they pretty much dominated the uh, the event. Uh, but man, you couldn't walk anywhere. It was just jammed. Totally yeah, gym. yeah. I think from the water perspective, there at the show, right, the, the three big things were really water sensing technology, yes. water monitoring, se- yep. flow you know, sensors, technology, right, flow right. sensing, and leak detection. Yeah, and that's one of the companies that which I won't mention because we're under non-disclosure. But I was talking to one of the uh, right. sensor companies, and uh, unbelievable technology. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a big boom coming up. And you know, I, I was reading some reports. Uh, from the Global uh, uh, Water uh, Association, and, and they're talking about all these different uh, artificial intelligence and things where they're now controlling city water, sewer water. Everything's now done with sensors and artificial intelligence, and uh, that's the future, man, because uh, it collects the data, and uh, you can't make intelligent decisions unless you have intelligent data. So, that's right. So I Somebody said that. Uh, I've seen it on a mug somewhere. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I got it from somewhere. I saw it. Uh, I don't remember where. Some so re- kind some, of some restaurant. Some restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eat at Dave's. Um, yeah. So, hey, back to kind of like a regu- regular schedule here. Yes, sir. Right? For, for, for today. And yeah, uh, we've been we gone, can we've, welcome. Yeah, we've gone for the holidays yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and we got one of our favorite people here. Mm-hmm. And I know she's on the line. It's Miss... Christine Austin, and she is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook. Chris, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. How are you guys doing? Splendid. Thank you very much. Hope you're the same. Excuse oh, my hey, I'm, voice. I'm hanging in there. I'm still standing. Another year. I made another trip around the sun. All right. Hey. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. So I know there's lots of issues going on in California with water, and that's why you're here. I think one of the biggest things I was reading about is that uh, the ag pumping is threatening California and Maine's water at artery. Well, yeah, you know, um, uh, I, I love Lois Henry. Um, uh, I think that, you know, she said this was some report that was just recently posted. It's actually in a way, kind of from March of last year. Um, But, yeah, you know, um, the groundwater pumping in the Central Valley causes land subsidence, which is, you know, when the land caves in, big holes in the ground. Yeah, and when the land drops, when you have things like canals, which are built on this gravity system, you know, the very... You know, slight grades going downhill to keep the water moving, and then you have subsidence, which drops it lower in some places. It causes a lot of problems. And most notably, 
there is a canal on the uh, Bryant. It's the Bryant Kern Canal on the Central Valley Project. It's the federal, the federal side of the water system, and um, it's had some tremendous uh, subsidence problems, and they've been trying to gather up the money to fix it. It's about a four hundred million dollar uh, problem there. Um, yeah, now you know the, the pocket change. Uh, so they've been trying to figure out how to get those that canal fixed, and that's sort of the main artery down the east side of the valley, the California aqueduct being the main artery down uh, the west side of the valley, which was what Lois was writing about. Um, and, yeah, groundwater pumping, uh, you know, it's, it's causing this land subsidence, and that affects infrastructure. So, you know... Uh, well, she wrote about it like it was something new. It wasn't really new if you've been reading Mavis Notebook for the year. So, <laughs> what can I say? Um, but Read yeah, Maven's I mean, Notebook. It's an issue. Huh? Read Maven's Notebook. <laughs> there you go. You would have known about this in March but uh, <laughs> or April or right around that time. No, we knew about it. We're subscribers, but our, our listeners don't know all the stuff that you know. Oh, I know. I know. So, anyways, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's sort of an old story uh, made a little bit new, but it caught everybody's attention today. It was the most interesting thing out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, you know, the other interesting thing, I guess, mildly interesting, is that uh, the governor, uh, the Newsom administration, released the uh, water resilience portfolio last Friday, last Friday afternoon. Right. Um, to really, for such a Ballyhoo State report and everyone waiting for it to come out, it really had very little response. Was it the actual um, report or was it just a draft, Chris? Because I think last oh, week oh, we well, were reading it was a draft. It's a draft, and y'all can, you know, submit your comments. Um, and, it, I mean, there's some interesting information in there. Uh, it's the first few pages kind of run down all the problems with California water. So if you're used to California water, you understand what they are. If you're not, then you do need to have that information. And then I think it's about nine pages of actions, um, over a 100 of them, uh, things that you could take. And they divided them up into four different categories. So here are all the actions that agencies can take um a hundred plus uh, and when it when you know you say well okay that's great a hundred plus actions how are you going to pay for that they say well we'll pay for this you know when money becomes available so <laughs> so it's i'm not really sure personally what what it's really accomplishing here um a hundred plus uh, action items. I mean, how how are you supposed to uh, do something with that? I'm not entirely sure. You they know what? Did in the appendices break it down into actions by agency, right. uh, but you know, it, it just reminds me of this time many years ago uh, when all these people in the Delta got together, all these different stakeholders from all these you know, wide group of people that usually argued about stuff, but they said, okay, well, let's come up with a list of everything we can do. Right. Um, that we all 
board. And so they came up with a big, long list. It was about $2 billion worth. And they went trotting into the Delta Stewardship Council and presented this to the chair, who was Phil Eisenberg at the time. And they were like, hey, look at us. Look, we, all, we have all come together, and we look, we produced this list for you. These are all the things that you, you know, legislators could do, and we all support them. And he looked at it and he said, okay, so where do I start? Where are your priorities? And they're like, well, we didn't want to talk about priorities because, you know, bottom line, we wouldn't all agree. And then we'd have fights and arguments and then we couldn't present you with this big long list. And so he's like, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, that may be, you know, all, all well and good for you, but you can't, you can't give a list a $2 billion wish list to a legislator and expect them to know what to do with it. Right. You've got to prioritize. Right. They right. can't do anything with it. Well, don't you wish that personally at home, you know, you and I could go, hey, we'll pay for it when funds become available. I don't know that the gas company, yeah. electric company, and all those guys <laughs> would go for that, right? We can't yeah, do that. Wait. Hey, no problem. When I got the money for your power bill, I'll send it. Yeah, hey. hey. Keep the juice on. Yeah. yeah it's, it wasn't. It was interesting, and uh, 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 why, why do they rele- why do they release these on Friday afternoons when nobody's around? You know, I I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> um, I, maybe they wanted everyone to have uh, some time to digest it. You know, there are some documents that I I can understand. They're kind of bad news and. You know, the administration wants to bury him. It's like there was something that the Trump administration uh, released on the, oh, it was a climate change report, and they released it on the Friday after Thanksgiving of last year. So, so like, no one would see it. I mean, I kind of get why, why people might do that. This is something that they want public input on, and they've been very public about that. Right. So I, I'm not sure... I, I don't know why they chose to release it on a Friday at the end of basically a holiday week when people are still coming back. Uh, can't say. <laughs> yeah, well, people get a chance to read it and digest it, and they don't get a chance to send their comments in or get them responded to right away because everybody's off on holiday. Yeah, but, you know, th- there's, uh, I think the comment period goes to mid-February, so there's plenty of time. Right, February but, 7th, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, but uh, a real big non-response in the media, and not even a lot of people on the blog world commenting on it, because, I don't know, I guess you look at this thing and you go, hey, 100 different actions, 100 plus, where do I start? Yeah, as you say, got to prioritize, right? You got to put it, you got to charter it out, section it out, and prioritize. I mean, that's the that's the big thing. Yeah, well, if you're going to go speak to a legislator, that your best bet is to go in and say, these are the things that are important to me. These are the things I want to see done. Uh, You come in and 
tossed a big list on his, you know, here's a 40-page list of all these things I think you should do. Do them. Oh. You know, they're going to be like, yeah, huh, what? Well, you since know. since since I call you the Maven and you have a, a blog called The Maven Snowbook, what would you prioritize for 2020 as you see the most important top three things that you would do if you were in charge of all the water in California? Oh, my word. Now you're asking me. You're really putting me on the spot. No, but, but, um, but you're, you're, you're so intimate with what's going on. I mean, I know you know all of this, and, and I, I'm just curious. What would you... There might be a lot of people listening. <laughs> she doesn't want to answer that question. Oh, <laughs> oh gee. Well, no, well you know, I, I think that, uh, for one, I think we really need to take some, some really concrete action in the Delta. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really, I, I can't tell you exactly sure what that is, but I think we need to stop scratching our heads on some of this stuff because there is information that we have. Um, we do know that when water flows across the landscape like floodplains and then dumps into the rivers, that puts a lot of fish food into the rivers. And the Delta Estuary has been, you know, categorized as, like, not very productive, not a lot of fish food. And, you know, reason why there's not a lot of that fish food, which is like phytoplankton and, you know, good kinds of algae and stuff, is because we've channelized the rivers and they're not flowing across the land anymore. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, it puts that, that food in. Um, we've known this for, oh, they've, there's been great studies going on for at least five years now. And in the Sacramento Valley, which the, the area of the Central Valley north of Sacramento, um, they've been implementing uh, a number of these projects. Uh, and they've been implementing projects to put more side-channel habitats in the river. And, with, and when they do this, they, there's been a lot of great success. So we need to be doing some more of of this stuff. So, you know, I would say really um, we need to be paying attention to it and doing the things that that we can do. Um, you know, groundwater management, this is this is really tough and um and there's no easy solution uh to this. There's just not enough groundwater to continue doing what we're doing with groundwater and and things are going to have to change. And it's really hard for me to tell you how that should happen, um, only in the broadest sense that, you know, that groundwater pumping needs to be reduced in the San Joaquin Valley in particular. And um, we need to have some really good implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. So and, I, and I think, I think more, I'm we, up, up to two, and right? We, and we need more water capture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, and and certainly we can do more stormwater capture, but you know we really shouldn't uh, kid ourselves on on it. Stormwater capture works best in the environments where they get a lot of rain. Right. You know, we have boom and bust seasons, so yeah, when it's wet, we could you know all of us homeowners here can capture that water on our property potentially. But if it's a dry year, that water's not going to be there because, hey, it was a dry year. It didn't rain, right? right. And so, uh, you know, in areas like Southern California where it's boom and bust, yes, we need to 
we need to do stormwater projects and capture it the best we can, but um, we have to be realistic that, you know, there's some some years that will work great and others, you know, not as well. But we do need to take those steps, you know, definitely. Yeah. I know there's, there's places across the world, such as Israel, uh, where they're, they're taking advantage of uh, uh, salt water uh, and, and growing different crops with that. Uh, I know there's companies that sprung up all over the world. We had, we had two of them on uh, in the last couple of years, had one a couple of weeks back on uh, harvesting, uh, atmosphere water har- harvesting. From the air. And, and I see that uh, <clears throat> uh, the government has hired uh, a company to go out and start doing that for the soldiers in, in the Middle East and things of that sort. And so I, th- I think there's a lot of new companies springing out, uh, and we're going to try to get a lot of these people to come on the show and talk about these new technologies because they have to figure a way that we're going to use the water that we got because <laughs> there ain't no yeah. more. <laughs> there, there's no more to come. I mean, it is what it is. And, and how, 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 do we, how do we use every drop of it? And yeah. you know, I I think that it's, there's going to we're going to have to make some changes overall going forward uh, in terms of you know what we use, and I think not only in water consumption but in all kinds of consumption we're going to have to start paying attention Absolutely. a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, yes, we we need to explore these other. Uh, other types of technologies to help us with our water supply, but I do think we need to be realistic if we're using these technologies to bring water to us. They're not going to be cheap, and we need to be careful about how we use them, how we use them indoors and how we use it outdoors, because we're we're not going to be able to just let water run down the gutter uh, you know, off your land and onto the gutter um, if you're paying a lot of money for it, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, you're going to need to be very efficient, in, we're, and we're going to need to start paying attention. Yeah, so kind of Chris- like plastic, you know, yeah. we need to pay attention to, you know, how can we eliminate plastic or any, any kind of plastic use that, you know, personal, uh, you know, it's not... Yeah, we need a big solution for the plastic problem, but it can start in little ways when you say, you know what, I don't need a plastic bag for my bananas. <laughs> yeah, so, so let me ask you this. You know? we, we asked you to, for your top three what you would do, and Rob put you on the spot. So you've given us, you know, hey, we've got to do something up there in the Delta. Groundwater management is the second. So with the three R's, that's recycling, reuse, and uh, renew, and, would, that, yeah, would we, that fall into number three for you? Yeah, I would say we, we need to start being very conscious of how we use all of our resources, water, you know, electricity, you name it. Uh, but definitely starting with water. I mean, just don't waste it. Use what you need and, you know, look for times when you cannot, you know. Right. I don't think we need to start hauling our, our cold shower water out to our backyards. We're not at that point, you know, it's a long way from it. But we can all certainly take a look at how we personally use water and see how we can improve. That's just like my wife's T-shirt says, uh, uh, save water, drink wine. There you go. <laughs> yeah, or drink beer, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I go for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so uh, while we're on holiday, 
enjoying the time off and all that stuff. We know that our state did their uh, did uh, the second of um, of their annual snowpack tests, um, looking at the water supply index and updating it. Uh, and I saw on Maven's notebook a little post about that today as well, a forecast anyway, starting from uh, January first. <clears throat> what did they see? Yeah, you know. They saw something slightly below average, but really uh, pretty close to what we would expect, uh, you know, for a January snowpack. Um, some some people characterized it already as short, uh, but, you know, it's important to keep in mind that this is January. And how much snow we have on the ground in January is not nearly as important as how much water we or how much snow we have on the ground on April 1st. Um, you know, we're just starting into the snowy season, and we have had really wet falls, and then we come to January, dries and up. it dries up, yeah. and we don't get anything else uh, or very few else. Um, but then, on the other hand, even if it's dry, you know, it's it's been historically proven that we just need a handful of big storms every year to kind of to, to get most of our water supply. Yeah. So even if it is dry, if we get a handful of big storms, we'll probably be in good shape. Well, Rob um, and I would love to be invited to go up there to one of those uh, to one of the yeah, we, we, we talk about it yeah, for years, and we never do yeah. it. Yeah, we'd like to dust off our press passes and <laughs> ride up there mm. with those guys and yeah, and take some photos and do some interviews. Well, you know, there's been a big interest in trying to figure out how to uh, forecast uh, more seasonally. You know, we can really only, our, our ability to forecast really only goes out to about 10 days at most. Um, but there's been pushes on, especially here in California, to figure out how to be able to forecast the next season. You know, we so they could tell you, oh, it's going to be a wet winter or not, and it's going to be a hot summer or not. And they've been really trying to perfect this technology. Haven't really gotten there yet, uh, but so far, you know, as they're working on these uh, model and forecasting tools, they kind of tend to be saying that this year is going to be a below average year. Yeah. But they also say we're really bad at this forecasting thing, and we're really trying to get a yep. handle on it. So let's wait so, and see. Yeah, you, you know, bottom line, you just don't know. And yeah. what we have on the ground on April 1st is what's going to be important. So right. we're going to cross our fingers, and we're not going to curse at the rain when it comes, and uh, we'll see what happens, yeah. right? Yeah. Well said, Chris. So we're, we're coming up against the break here. Uh, Rob, why don't you uh, cue us up on what we've got second half of the show? Well, we have a great gentleman uh, coming up named Adam Tank, and we'll get into that uh, as soon as we do our commercials. Right. Chris, we appreciate you being on the show, as always, and I'm glad we're starting off a good year, and everything's good with you and your family, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Take care, Chris. All right. So you people too. stand by. We're going to take a little break and hear a word from our sponsors and be right back to the Water Zone. Hey, 
green industry pros. Are you new to Turf Surf Radio and want to learn more? Then plug in your earphones and keep listening because Turf Surf Radio invites you to listen while you work. Our 24-7 live radio platform keeps you up to date, bringing you new tips and interviews from pros like you who want to elevate and educate the green industry. Can't make it to industry shows or events? Don't worry. Turf Surf Radio will be there bringing you live coverage, getting you in on the action. So keep listening to Turf Surf Radio. Your industry, your station. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes. A better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. Eco-Series products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied, fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied, fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about eco-solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the Technical Service Hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. Hey there. Looking for new ways to get more out of your workday? First step is to use your head. Step two, use all your heads. New Oregon Gator Speed Load Trimmer Head System adds time savings to every one of your trimmers. Once it's installed, you can pop in these handy discs in 20 seconds or less whenever it's time to reload. That means you can leave all the stringing and spooling back at the shop. Plus, the line is designed to last twice as long as traditional line, because less reloading means less wasted time. You might just say this Gator Speed Load System is a heads-up way to make your business more profitable. See what I did there? All right, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone. Hope everybody's enjoying the nice evening. It uh, was kind of cloudy and a little bit of rain. A lot of rain, I guess, saw it came oh, here. No. Just right yeah. here. What's happening? Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> background <laughs> background noise there. What, are, what were the engineers doing in there? 
They're good now. They're giving us a thumbs up. Okay. Keep your clothes on, guys. Yeah, I don't know what you were doing back there, but don't, don't do that stuff. We're not allowed to see that stuff. Anyway, we have a great gentleman uh, coming on, a very interesting conversation we're going to have with him. His name is Adam Tank, and he has over 10 years of experience in the water industry with a focus on business development, software, and engineering. He was a director, or is a director of software solutions, Transcend Water, and he has responsibility for client success related to Transcend Design Generator software, and he works closely with the marketing and software department teams to prioritize development needs and anticipates client requests and that's kind of a hard thing to do is sure is. to figure out what they do and most recently he served as the North America Smart Cities Director for Suez and he'll explain that to us in a minute yeah previously they hadn't sold a robotics spin-off of the General Electric Corporation that's GE that focused on cutting-edge portable water pipe rehabilitation techniques and prior to that he served as GE's water digital water leader, rather, managing venture investments, creating software solutions for water distribution channels, challenges, rather. So early in his career, Adam served as an engineer for CPG industry, where he both lived and worked in Brazil and led uh, sanitation programs for General Mills' largest yogurt plant in uh, North America. Adam received his undergraduate degree from Kansas State University and his MBA from the University of Arizona. Adam, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Great, great, great. I appreciate you guys, you coming on. I had read, and the reason we contacted you, I had read a, a, a document that you wrote, and uh, uh, you published it. was called two, two, 2030, The Water Industry You've Never Seen Before. And it was an interesting title, and it got me, i got to read this, i got to find out what this means. And it basically was a tech guy's prediction on water over the next 10 years. And I, you know, we like to ask what people see, just like we asked our previous guest, because uh, she does everything in water. She's she goes to all the committee meetings, everything, anything on water, she's there. And um, so we want we put her on the spot and say, hey, what would you do if you were the the maven of uh, of water? But I like to get different people's uh, perceptions on where they see we're going with water, with the water industry, and, you know, not only in California, but all over the world. I mean, uh, there's so many new technologies coming because people are trying to solve a problem, and there's a lot of approaches. The problem that we see here in the States, I see, is that it just takes a lot of time for people to get to make a decision, and it goes on and on and on. When they built a, a, a desal plant in San Diego, Carlsbad, actually, it took them 17 years from the time they proposed it to the time they turned the machine on. That's a long. That's a long time, <laughs> and 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 we can't wait that long for these kind of things. I mean, you know, people are running around. Hey, the you know, like Kenny Penny, the sky's falling in. You know, we're going to be out of water. Uh, we can't wait 17 years or 20 years for somebody to make a decision, and we got to find faster ways to. To do all that. 2030 is not so far away, Adam. So, you know, what's the 30,000-foot view? The 30,000-foot view is this, if I can distill it down to one, one message. And that is that the water industry, at least in the U.S., I can speak for North America specifically, doesn't suffer from a lack of technologies. It doesn't suffer from a lack of business models. It doesn't suffer from a lack of leadership. But it does suffer from a, a completely uh, catastrophic communications crisis. We as an industry do a horrible job about communicating not only the value of water, but the value of our utilities and the value of the work that we do 24-7 to keep people's 
taps flowing. And until we fix that problem, we are going to run into the same challenges that we've seen for decades. So as a result of, a, of, uh, of this, and you know, we've, t- we've had lots of guests on that have said, they've been vehement about the fact that the water itself is, uh, is undervalued, uh, subs- and it forces uh, uh, governments, states at uh, federal, state, and local levels to subsidize the value of water. Do you, do, do you see that? I do. I absolutely do. And it's, it's there, you know, of course, there are plenty, there's policy matters that come into play. There are uh, local, state, federal matters that come into play. There's water quality matters that come into play. But at the end of the day, if, if utilities and industry professionals are not communicating with the public, they're not communicating with policymakers, someone else is going to tell a story about water. And who knows what that somebody else is going to say. Chances are, based on historical, <laughs> what I've read, what I've heard, what people talk about, it's never good. I call it. I call it. I call it historical versus historical. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just never. It's 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 not good. So we need to take ownership of that, and I think we'll see water rates increase. Um, you know, along the same lines as, as the communication increases. I think we're going to see people happier with their utilities. I think we're going to see people appreciate water more. I think we're going to be able to get in front of people to do reduce, reuse, recycle. I mean, there's a whole slew of benefits that comes from it. Well, people didn't realize when, like here in California, uh, a while back when we had a, a drought and governor tells us to cut water 25%, um, the operations still have to go through. And, and everybody's cutting their water, which means they're not making sales as much on their, on their water. So economics say the thing you got to do is raise the rates. Right. And, 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 right. and you're right. The value of water people don't see because you go to, your, go to your faucet, you turn it on, and guess what? It flows out, and they don't think about it. That's right. But heaven forbid that your Wi-Fi goes out for two hours. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a nightmare. You have people that are protesting in the streets. But water, it just doesn't happen. And with the exception of a water main break or a boil advisory, something along those lines. But but by and large, you know, water is there 24-7, and we're very fortunate for that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've taken this research and you've made some predictions, and, and, and I, those are the things I think Rob and I would like to uh, ask you to start talking about. And Well, he has, he has a good yeah, one. Yeah, give us some background. Uh, I read something that made me chuckle a lot. It says, uh, highly unlikely the wild stuff and about water utilities start marketing and selling packaged drinking water. <laughs> I thought it was pretty clever. It, it's, I, I'm glad you like that one. It's actually one of the ones that uh, was one of my favorites to think about and, and write a little bit on. We, you know, we, I can tell you, so where I live right now, Kansas City, um, I know that, that one of the, the local water utilities, their biggest consumer of water is a bottled water company. They are literally turning around and selling Kansas City tap water at a three to 4,000% premium over tap. Why is it that a water utility couldn't do that themselves? And in this article I wrote, there's a list of reasons why I think they could actually out, out-compete bottled water competition. But there's no reason that, we, that, that a utility couldn't go down that path of, of marketing and selling their own bottled water. It doesn't have to be single-use plastic. It could be boxes. It could be refillable containers, et cetera. But there's no reason that the utility couldn't do that and to develop a different revenue stream, an additional revenue stream, and then take that fund, take those funds and, and, you know, use it towards infrastructure repair and replacement or use it towards communication and marketing initiatives or whatever it is the utility needs to do. But I think it's, it's an interesting one to think about. 
Oh. Well, you know, it, 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 is, it is very interesting. And, and, you know, most of the people or most of the companies or corporations who own bottled water companies, they're the cola industry. That's right. The soft drink sure. companies. So. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's, that's a great idea. But I like that idea. I think that's a great idea because, they, you know, they can, they can start doing it and then get bought up by Coca-Cola and take all that profits and give it back yeah. to the – Not many, think of, not many people think <laughs> about that. Yeah, not many people have even spoke to us about, uh, about the role the water utilities could have in the future, especially, you know, using reusable-type uh, packaging for water, right, yeah. and start getting away from plastic bottles. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's a play to make for sure, and, and as we have – continue to have conversations about, you know, indirect potable, indirect reuse and, and direct potable reuse. Um, I know that there's, you know, it's, it's commonly called a kind of a swear word in our industry, but it's commonly called toilet tap. <laughs> there's no reason it needs to be marketed that way. Right. You know, there are countries, there are countries around the world that are doing this already and they're doing a great job. Look at Singapore with their new water initiative. Um, there are bright spots. It's just a matter of finding what those are, what they've done, and then scaling them around the world. No, you're right. You know, in the last segment, I don't, I don't know if you've been, you were listening to any portion of that, I had started talking about uh, salt water, ocean water. And yeah. in Israel, we've, we've had some people on from Israel and, and people from IDE Technologies who do the, the, uh, um, the sal plants and things. And Israel is developing vegetation that can actually take the salt water and be tolerant yeah. of that and do that. And, you know, we should really start thinking about things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. because that would help. And, and you, if you want to go ahead and talk about a little bit what you wrote and, and, and what you researched on that, I think that's pretty interesting. It, it is. It's fascinating. And this this came from a speaker at a North American Water Conference a couple of years back. He's a NASA scientist, really fascinating guy. He's in a room full of water professionals, right? I mean, combined years of experience, thousands of years of experience combined in this room. And by the end of his speech, we all felt. One, like complete idiots, and two, we were completely starstruck because what this speaker was arguing was that we're thinking about the water crisis incorrectly, and it's not that we suffer from a lack of water in the world. It's just that we suffer from a lack of fresh water. So what his argument was and the data that he presented, which was quite compelling, was that what we should be doing is supplementing our agricultural systems, which are the largest consumer of fresh water in our country, is supplementing that fresh water use with saltwater usage. So he actually argued that we should be pumping water, saltwater, ocean water, inland, places like California, creating inland farms that are based on saltwater agriculture, using saltwater vegetation, fish, uh, algae, number of other <clears throat> plant-based proteins, and that that could actually significantly decrease the amount of fresh water we need for typical agriculture, which would then enable us to have that for drinking water or whatever other applications we want to use. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it could be put, know, to, put to use in other in other ways versus. That's uh, right. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we've talked to people who, uh, who run algae farms where everybody said algae is bad. You know, we read about, read about how the, the thick algae is killing, everybody, killing all the fish and all the things in the water. But yet they're, they're taking the algae and converting it to, to energy. Biofuels. Biofuels. Mm -hmm. they're, they're doing uh, vitamins. Makeup. Uh, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff with that, and, and it's just amazing. Uh, what also saves water, we, we also had some people on, and which I'm really interested in. There's another company I found that's back east, and I've been trying to get them on, 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 on the show, but I'm having trouble contacting them. 
getting to the right people. <clears throat> they do vertical farming in a warehouse. And they have a food company that they grow all this food. They do. They use artificial light, which is LEDs. They use 90% less water. It's all indoors, so they don't have the problem with uh, uh, insects and all these other diseases coming. And they run these. They have several plants in the United States, mostly back on the East Coast. But they they're proven that you can grow these things vertically. And you'll save 90% of the water to grow the, grow, the, grow the crops. And they package these and sell, sell them to uh, grocery stores. But, but at a big time, I mean, it's not just a, like a little garage shop. I mean, they got, you know, 200,000 square foot buildings that they do this in. And uh, it's amazing what they can produce going vertically versus, you know, on, on land where it's all horizontal. So I think For that's sure. that's that's going to be yeah. a, a, an interesting topic to, to, to do. Well, I imagine that they they probably use less energy and less water too. Yes, because it's it's more precision ag. So, what's interesting for utility to think about, especially in this age of digital everything, utility goes and invests a big one, millions if not tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in something like smart metering. Right, and it's largely because of non-revenue water rates. They want to decrease the amount of water that they're losing in distribution to make sure that they're the most, you know, basically efficient utility that you can have. If we start seeing more applications of vertical agriculture or saltwater agriculture, and we don't have as much of a, uh, a crisis, if you will, on the freshwater side, does all of that investment go to waste? Are we... Are we are those utilities spending all this money on infrastructure and digital and all this, these tools and analysis? What happens to all of that when we realize, hey, we've got more fresh water than we know what to do with now? All right. It's interesting to think through. Well, then they go in the bottled water business, as you said earlier. They <laughs> <laughs> kill it. I mean, I mean, there's always the pros and cons, but you know, it, you know, when you, it's like taking two steps forward and one step backwards because you're you're hurting one to the other. But we got to be smart on how we do this. I mean, That's right. you know. Water, water is cheap here. You know, it's run by independent uh, or, or publicly owned water agencies. You know, in places like in the Middle East, like in Israel, for example, they sell. When we had the people on the Consulate General of Israel, he was telling us that Israel sells water to Iran. Okay, and and, and 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 you know they 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 hate each other, but they need water. And so they sell it and make profit and, and, and all that, but they but they control the price and add the true value of water. You know, I always I always joke about, and I did hear this from somebody else, Chris. I'm just going to tell you up front that when you fill your car up with gas, you stand there and you watch the the pump and you see it going ten cents, twenty <laughs> right. You instantly know what you use and how oh, much yeah. it costs yep. you when you do, use you, you know, take a shower and go in the swimming pool and do wash your clothes. You don't know what you used until you get your bill. Uh, well, right. today, today I think there's some smart meters that you can attach, or they have that they let let the uh, consumers go online and, and actually see what their daily usage are. And I think that's that's a good idea, so people really understand it. I think here in California, the water agencies did a great job during our drought because they did a lot of education and and, and a lot of advertising. I think that's a, that's an important thing. I, I, you know, and that, that leads us to the next. Water utilities significantly increase social media and PR efforts. I think that's an important factor. Yes, and it's, it's, it, it has to happen. I would argue it, it, it's non-negotiable. If you are listening and you are part of, if you work for a water utility or you are in the industry, it is on us to communicate the value of what we do. Period. And you should feel obligated. You really should. 
Sure. The, yeah, well, your, your quote right there, the war for the mind and the trust of the customer isn't in the pipes, it's in perceptions. That's right. And, That's perce- right. and, perce- and perception becomes reality, unfortunately. That is correct. Yep, exactly right. So again, we, we have to tell our story because if we don't, it's going to be someone else. And, and it's, it's, it's impossible to tell, you know, impossible to say what those folks will tell, but I can almost guarantee it's not going to be uh, positive <laughs> for us. Well, there's some people out there, some taking some initiatives. Why don't you give us a rundown of maybe some of those, some of those folks who are making a difference? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we've, I mean, I think we've seen a, an explosion of podcasts, uh, YouTube channels, uh, blogs, et cetera, in the water sector. I, I named a few in this article, but I'll talk, talk about them now. So uh, there's a, a two women that, that came out of a utility in Texas, a water utility in Texas that have, that have founded a niche communications consulting company specific for water utilities to help them better communicate with their public, and that would be Rogue Water. Uh, Travis Loop at the Water Environment Federation has done a phenomenal job podcasting about words on <clears throat> words on water, and you can go and listen to those at any given time. The consulting firms, the ones in the U.S. who in many cases are the gatekeeper for technology or innovation with water utilities, they're even noticing that it's, that it's a challenge, the communications aspect. So they're bringing in experts like Trina McGuire-Collier. She uh, was formerly at Denver Water, <clears throat> and now she's, uh, she's basically spun up a, a communications consulting arm for them. I mean, we're seeing it happen all over the place. And, of course, one of my favorites, and I think they get, they get a lot of press on PR, not even in, with water professionals, is the Northeastern Ohio Regional Sewer District. They have done a fantastic job making water fun, making it humorous, and bringing water issues to light in a way that makes it approachable for the general public. So if you have Twitter, if you're online, you should definitely go and follow that account. It's phenomenal. I agree. Yeah, we we had Travis Loop on the show a while back and just a great guy and Yeah, uh, you're in good company, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he's he's it's I've been really impressed with with where we're heading. It's we just got to get it down at the you know, the, the 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 level of the utility and when I say the utility, you guys know as well as I do. There are 52,000 plus what we call community water systems in the United States. So that would mean a system that serves a population of people that could be anywhere from 20 people all the way up to millions of people, depending on the city. Every single one of them has to take this burden on, and they have to get excited about it, and they have to do a good job of it. Because if it's not across the industry, it's not going to work. It's got to be a blanket policy. No, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things uh, I know that you spoke about or wrote about was the distributed water infrastructure and decentralized mm-hmm. treatment solutions, and, and that needs to be more accepted. I, I, I've always said this, and Chris, you can validate this, yeah, yeah. that it snows a lot in the, on the East Coast and in the central part of the country. We have pipes that carry petroleum and gas across the country. Why can't they take the snow and melt it and pump it to the to the west coast where we need water. <clears throat> if if water was valued where it should be, maybe it would be worthwhile. Yeah. But until that, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah it happens in the pack in the pocketbook, doesn't it? I mean, you know, just talking about desal and all that stuff. It's great technology, but the cost is is in the power to uh, um, to transform that water from salt to to, to fresh. Right? And and eliminating or reducing the amount of brine. That comes from that, and they're working on that. There's there's stuff in the in in uh, 
in the industry that is helping reduce the brine. Sure, Maybe but as, as power becomes um, uh, more efficient and, and less expensive, right, through renewables and wind and th solar and all that kind of stuff, it's eventually going to get to a point where there's a tripping point, right, where yep. the, the, the cost, the power to do that is um, is going to be worth it. I mean, just building the plant, that's capital investment. You get your return on that. Well, look, look it's at, the ongoing it, cost. Look at our world in irrigation. Yeah, Chris, we talk about golf courses and how much water they use on a golf course, okay? Uh, harvest the water, turning that into energy, going through the pipes and creating yeah. voltage to right, run the right. valves you, and things yeah, of that. As you do that, yeah, a lot of stuff. Hey, so one of the last sections you had on there, Adam, was, uh, and, and I, I really like how you, how you uh, titled the highly likely portion of the, of the uh, part, and it's, I'll bet you a dollar that. So <laughs> as yeah. a cue up for yeah. that, what's, a, you know, what's the highlights of that? Yeah, so the, the first one I, I talked about was around PFAS. So if you're in the water industry, chances are you've heard about this uh, long scientific name. I probably can't pronounce it properly, so we'll just stick with the acronym for now. <laughs> but PFAS is, you know, it's basically, it's a water contaminant that almost everyone and their mom is talking about at this point. And it, it hasn't really made it in big waves in the public yet. Chances are it probably will pretty soon. Because anytime the media gets a hold of something that's going to bend people out of shape, they will because they make a lot of money doing it. So what's happening is that PFAS and then every derivative thereof is now being publicized. And they're saying, look, it's being found in, in I read one recently, it's being found in rainwater. It's being found even in bottled water. It's being found in tap water. And there have been studies historically that have said, right, it's cancer causing, et cetera, et cetera. My argument is that a lot of times these tend to get blown out of proportion. I'm not saying that this isn't a concern and that we don't need to be focused on it because we do. But my guess is that in the next 10 years, PFAS will get taken care of either because technology treatment changes or we find out that it's not as car carcinogenic as they originally thought, but then inevitably something else will take its place. There's always something that's going to get people uh, hyped up <clears throat> that's going to make the media more money and, um, you know, in the past, we've heard, we've heard about benzene or we've heard about pharmaceuticals in the water supply or people even get bent out of shape about chlorination or, or fluoride. It's, I don't say it's, it's the flavor of the week, but I do think that it will, it will sort of come and go over the next decade. Yeah, I believe that that's, that's true. I mean, you get, the, the problem is there's so many people that so many people have different opinions and, and no one's willing to come together on it and, and come up with a mutual discussion on anything or a mutual collaboration on anything or an agreement on anything. You know, people will tell you, well, the fluorinated water is great for the kids, it's good for their teeth, it's good for this, and then you get other people say, no, it's not. And it's, it's never going to stop, like you said. It's, okay. just, it's just never, 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 ever going to stop, and that's kind of a shame. Uh, you know, just like the packaging, we... Again, I'm, and if they're listening, I hope they call us in. It's the International Bottling Organization. I've been trying for four years, and I've left. <laughs> I can't tell you how many messages I left. I got the names of the people who are on the board of directors. I called them, okay, and and and, and I don't get past their secretaries. They said, "Hey, we would like to come on because maybe you guys are getting a bad rap. Can you come on and tell your story?" And nobody in four years will have the courtesy to return the call to come on the show. Mm -hmm. To do that, and I go, we're not shock jocks, right? We haven't torn you apart, and, we're not, and that's not what we do. You know, we the, we we look at this as an educational uh, project for us, where we we bring people in, in in the industry to talk about lots of different things that people don't know about or want to learn more about. But just like we had almond farmers in, uh, 
uh, who, uh, you know, where California was screaming they want to get rid of all the almond farms around here, uh, orchards around mm-hmm. here, because they, they use too much water. But, I mean, we need that communication. We need to have uh, a way of communicating the things uh, that people need to know. Because, again, you can't make intelligent decisions without intelligent information. That's so other than the PFAS stuff, what else is on the most likely list? Adam. So there's a, the second one we, I, I talk about, and we've already touched on it briefly, but that's that bottled water, or what I call packaged water, which could mean bottles, cans, glasses, boxes, is going to continue to increase. So the stat that I found most interesting researching this was that as of 2017, bottled water is the number one beverage in the United States by volume. Number one beverage. It beats soda and it beats whatever else you're thinking of that's on your mind. And that, that is, I mean, that's just remarkable. <clears throat> and there, there are, you know, a number of reasons why that might be the case. And we don't have time to get into them now. But again, it's on the utilities and it's on us as water professionals to convey the value of tap and convey the value of the, the hard work that we do to make sure it's safe. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are exceptions and there are many that are in the media and it, it is a damn shame but there are some of those places where it's not safe to drink your tap water. But by and large, tap water is healthy. In many cases, it's even healthier for you than bottled water, and it sure is a hell of a lot cheaper. All right. So, Adam, where can people find out a little bit more about, uh, about your work and, um, and uh, a, a go to get more information? Yeah, sure. So I'm pretty active on Twitter. ARTank is my Twitter handle. You can also check out our website, <clears throat> transcendh2o.com. Right. And between those two, LinkedIn is also good too. But between those three, I think uh, you'll find all you need to know. Great. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said, when I read this thing, it, uh, I, I chuckled. I liked it. I thought it was great. And it's nice to have somebody that has uh, some good, 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 honest thinking about it. Good. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Thank you. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, we're going to go to a quickie commercial before we uh, end the show, uh, and uh, so stick around just for another 30 seconds. Hey, green industry pros. Are you new to Turf Surf Radio and want to learn more? Then plug in your earphones and keep listening, because Turf Surf Radio invites you to listen while you work. Our 24-7 live radio platform keeps you up to date, bringing you new tips and interviews from pros like you who want to elevate and educate the green industry. Can't make it to industry shows or events? Don't worry. Turf Surf Radio will be there bringing you live coverage, getting you in on the action. So keep listening to Turf Surf Radio. Your industry, your station. All right, and as I said at the opening of the show, we are syndicated on Turfs Up Radio, and uh, you can catch our shows on there on Saturdays and I believe on Mondays, and uh, it's a good place to be. Anyway, yeah, thanks uh, to our guests uh, this week, uh, yeah, Adam, Adam and Chris Maven. Thanks for coming on, uh, Adam. Great to talk to you. Yeah, we'd love to have them on again and talk talk more in deep. Sure. So everybody, I uh, hope you have a great week and keeping warm out here in California. I guess it's colder back east, but the most important thing you all got to do this week is keep, keep our, our planet, planet blue. blue.